everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of Dishes and Dimes, brought to you by BasketballNews.com. Make sure to check out not just the podcast, like The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan, the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the postcast with James Posey, Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin and Jadakiss, but also all of our features and exclusive content from writers like Spencer Davies, Janelle Moore, Sharon Brown, Alex Kennedy, myself, my co-host, Katie Heindel, who's with me today, and my other co-host, Yasmin Dwale. Yeah, if you want to read about Blake Griffin, check out Yasmin's work. If you want to date Blake Griffin, you will have to get through Nor. But anyways, uh, how are you today? Katie, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is pretty nice. We got the we got the writer's episode. This is the writer's room. This is the writer's room. <laughs> Welcome to the master class. What about you, Yas? How are you? Um, you know, a lot of basketball fatigue because I've been watching March <laughs> Madness the last few days. Like I'm actually losing my mind at this point, <laughs> like at the end of the day, cause I have to submit it kind of like, um, like after the night's games and then it goes up for the morning. Um, so I'm like trying to summarize everything that happened in the day and I just have like basketball fatigue right now. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of basketball for March, yeah, what's a your lot setup? of basketball. You have like multiple screens going at once with all the different games. Uh, yeah, I honestly like, um, in my basement living room is where we watch sports because my mom hates the sound of sneakers on hardwood. Nice. <laughs> so like the basement is for video games and sports. And then when she's like not around, I'll go upstairs and watch. So I'm like alternating between like a couple games on both screens, <laughs> getting a workout on the steps. Nice. <laughs> And do you have any sleeper candidates for draft picks or people you'd like to see on certain teams? Yeah, I, I'm sure it's somewhere. It's somewhere in the right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like in the pieces somewhere. Um, but like last night, um, I was watching Evan Mobley play, which was pretty cool. Um, a lot of familial ties uh, in March Madness. Like you'll see a team where it's like the coach is the dad and the leading scorer is the son. Like it's it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, you have um, Evan Mobley playing alongside his brother, Isaiah, which is also insane. Uh, but he's going to be definitely a um, top, you know, first round kind of pick guy. So um, a lot of Raptors fans <laughs> want him in Toronto. Um, so it, it was it was cool seeing him play. He's really good. He's only 19, 19 years old. So, um, yeah, and a lot of Canadians um, playing in the tournament this season. So. Um, people should check them out. Yeah, people should check you out in the Toronto Star um, doing your NCAA March Madness co- uh, coverage. Yeah, if anyone wants like, you know, a summary, a review of the night's events and you're not really like, if you're new to March Madness or anything, uh, check it out because I just kind of go over the standouts to me. Yeah, if you're like me and you're like, why is everybody obsessed with this beaver team? <laughs> you don't understand where that's come from then you can just uh, follow up on Yasmin's one blog. thing I love though I will say this is that um like I love the uh I feel like the you can kind of imagine the average NBA fan in terms of like what the majority of the audience is compromised of uh but with March Madness it's you're either like um a really young adult probably fresh out of school or still in school or just a few years removed from your university um, career, or you're retired, which is like so adorable to me. <laughs> if you look at the audience, it's either people who are like in their 60s or in their 20s. <laughs> 
Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's amusing because my dad's retired too. Um, and he's like, I need something to do. And he sees me covering March Madness. So he's like, I guess this will be my thing now. <laughs> <laughs> Did he do a bracket? Um, he, he's like really, he's sending me like PDFs of other people's brackets and asking me what he, <laughs> what I think of him. Cause like that. my dad, he's like, he, he was, he's been retired for time. He's, he was retired since he was 45. So he's been like, he's always like trying to find a new thing to keep himself occupied, occupied. It's adorable. What does your dad think of the rumors that Norman Powell <laughs> is inevitably getting traded? Oh, he hates it. He hates it. He's very like, keep everything, keep everything the same, keep everybody. He wants to see Larry retire here. He wants a statue. He wants a front office position. He wants Norm to stay. He thinks that they shouldn't tamper with anything and just leave it till they come back to Canada next season. (laughs) I am 100% on board. (laughs) Can you show him all of my tweets? Yeah, I will. I will. (laughs) I'm like, you're not the only one, Dad. (laughs) I mean, we should talk about the Norm trade. Like, this isn't... It's interesting to me because obviously everyone was speculating about it. And then it's like one story <laughs> comes out and it's like, first I was like, uh, I don't, I'm not really sure if Grange is saying like, it's, it's happening. But then he said like close to inevitable, which to me is still, <laughs> there's still a lot of gray area, even in that phrasing. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Do we really want to like back ourselves into this corner? Um, I think that, like, take everything said during this time with a grain of salt, because mm-hmm. when I think back to la- um, the 2019 season, which I think it was the last time they made a big midseason trade, um, th- no one knew of the Marcus Gasol thing happening. Like, it was a done deal that he was going to be with the Hornets, you know? So when the news dropped that the Raptors were trading JV and DeLon and, you know, picks and whatnot— um, it, that came like left field. So I think we should understand that it, it honestly, the Raptors may have no intentions to do anything until like the final minute on the clock. So it's very, I feel like it's a super fluid situation. And I think that, um, you know, it's the next topic, but I think LeBron's ankle injury will also have an effect on the urgency that some teams feel. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point just about like, what it means to be be a Raptors fan or like follow the team in any way is that you it's it's so strange by now that we all get caught up in these uh trade rumors and and like I don't know the, the kind of murkiness of them when we know good and well any trade that's ever happened completely blindsides us every single time yeah <laughs> it's the red or the it's red comforting thing but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere <laughs> but I mean the thing is, you're right. We didn't see that coming. And so maybe if they take that approach again, like they did with Gasol, and see what is pretty much the asking price for them, and then they say, okay, that's too much, or we can get that for Norm, that's a steal, I think that'll happen. But I don't think there's anything that they're saying, we want this, this, and this for Norm. I don't think any of that's done yet, or it would have been done already. Yeah, I've kind of just kind of like put like – I don't even know how to say it. Like I kind of just removed myself from the, the, you know, the discourse surrounding trades and stuff. Cause at the end of the day, like, I feel like the only sure things on the team is, you know, Nick nurse, Bobby Webster and, you know, um, OG Siakam and Fred. Um, so for everything else, I've, I'm trying, I'm kind of, I've already kind of come to terms with like the multiple um, avenues that they have before them. Like, I, I think that they have, 
a lot of choices that I would totally understand. You know what I mean? Like I would understand if they kept Norm. I would understand if they traded him. I'd understand multiple sign and trade scenarios. Like I feel like it's just kind of based on what their, you know, three, four year outlook looks like right now. So yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. It's a wait and see situation. Yeah. And I, I think, totally oh, sorry, go ahead, Kelsey. I would totally understand if they traded um, Norm for John Collins and Cam Reddish as the Atlanta Hawks are looking. Oh, for. I would too. I totally understand that. <laughs> and the math works. I didn't just plug this into the trade machine before we started recording or anything, but <laughs> I would totally understand that. I think for any trade, like for any trade this season specifically, because I think a lot of teams are going through it, but then especially for the Raptors is what I keep getting stuck on is like, what's the end game, right? Yeah. Like at this point, whatever, if you traded Norm and then whoever you got back, like what is the point and the purpose of that trade? You right. are trying to make a run, I guess, at the playoffs, but you know, you probably can't make a deep run. And I, not to say I'm like, I'm not like throwing the towel. Let's focus on next season yet. But I also think there needs to be a look at like, okay, what are we trying to sustainably build then? What is like the feel and the new model of this team going forward? Because I think a lot got lost this year in terms of just team identity. And I don't really feel like they've built back up to a point where it either was, it can't be what it was because it's over, but then I still don't have a sense of what they're kind of moving toward. So I think any trade, and that's why I don't feel like it would be a good thing to kind of rush into any trade just for the sake of doing one. Or for the, right. the record, because you're not really looking at a long, like at a, at a longer deep playoff run, just just in how things are kind of shaping up and where the Raptors are stacking up with other teams, you know, like their margin would still be so thin that guys like we're seeing what happens now is like when they went up against the Jazz, it's like, you know, they, they're almost there. But when you only have like six <laughs> playable players and they have to play every single minute of that game, like you can't count on something like that in, in a playoff situation. So they can't really account for all of those problems this season. So I guess my, in my mind, I'm still just like, okay, but what is the end game? Yeah, you're right. I mean, why make real moves for a fake season? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only norm uh, scenario I'd understand if they were to trade him is if he could like guarantee them a mid first round pick because I think that the potential for the Raptors to trade both picks to move up on the board is a very real possibility. And next, the upcoming draft is apparently full of like um, more talent across the board than the last season. So I think that would be a scenario I'd understand. Um, but yeah, I agree with um, Katie that they did lose a lot of their identity. Um, I think that they looked like they were trying to find it again. And then the, the COVID um, contractions on the team kind of threw everything for a loop again. So it seems that every time they're kind of building towards something, they just kind of like fall apart, like a like a tower of cards or something or a house of cards. So it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just a setback after setback. Um, I think that they should just focus on perhaps getting through the season in one piece and maybe um, create, like if they're going to look at trade scenarios, try and bolster the assets so that, when that superstar is available, you have your core in place and you have the the pieces required to attain a player like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just want to say as an aside how depressing it is to me when we talk about 
especially the draft. And we're like, oh, this new draft class coming up so much better than these dilapidated, <laughs> like already aged, like very young men that we just drafted, but we're over them. They suck. <laughs> I feel bad for them. Like this is their welcome to your professional career. And you were playing in this, these empty arenas with these weird protocols and it's, it's just, such a horrible scenario to enter yeah, the league. Yeah. Um, it's such a strange situation. Like I was just, I, I wrote a list of like the rookies that from the 2020 draft or the, um, yeah, the 2020 draft that look like they're kind of finding their identity um, on rosters. And I was mentioning how James Wiseman entered such a like tough situation oh, for man. a rookie. Like, yeah. you know, he's this guy who has so much potential, but at the same time, he's playing alongside a franchise superstar who has immediate championship aspirations and they're dealing with those injuries to the core. Like, it's just so tough. Um, and it's such a, a, a tough season to have your welcome into the league for. He also didn't even get a training camp because he was in health and safety protocol and barely played I'm pretty sure in that college season so like that's rough that's very rough but speaking of the west I mean you spoke you know you said Steph Curry's got immediate championship aspirations what do you think that this so I'm going to phrase it the way that Shams phrased it in his original tweet (laughs) the injury to Lakers MVP candidate LeBron James has a right ankle injury and will not return to game later revealed to be a high ankle sprain. What do you think that does for the rest of the Western Conference? I think it's, um, I, the the AD injury makes it interesting because we know that the Lakers have been very cautious with um, a calf strain. Um, and, you know, uh, AD is someone who is kind of prone to those nicks and those bumps. Um, and then now you have LeBron, who's I'm pretty sure has never had an ankle injury that has sidelined him in his career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this makes it interesting because we know that the, you know, the Lakers are assembled perfectly for the the stars that they have. But when you take those two guys out of there and for, you know, maybe a one, two week stretch in a, in a, a Western conference where they are, um, I think, f- 2.5 or something games out of the sixth seed or something like it's it, it can the complexion of the top eight in the west can change dramatically over the next couple of weeks um so you know it, it it becomes very very interesting yeah it's close like the i mean the west isn't as in dire straits i guess as uh the east yeah, certainly the east like disgusting. not as sloppy <laughs> but like it's still tight. Like it's still extremely close, you know? I mean, I'd say, I wouldn't say that it would put them back so much just because we know how like relentless LeBron can be on his health and his recovery, especially, you know, like he, you know, you know, he's not going to come back until he's ready to come back, which is, yeah. I, I guess I, I, I take some comfort in that because they're not pushing him back into play before he's ready. And also it's the Lakers. I don't think their seeding matters. (laughs) Like I would hate to be the one seed. Like if the jazz or something end up um, matched up with the Lakers, which won't happen, but, or the Clippers might, we might get a Clippers Lakers first round um, if things pan out a certain way. So it doesn't, I don't think it matters to the Lakers. I don't think they're going to shift like too deeply. I mean, when you look at who's like kind of hanging around the bottom, like the Mavs and the Spurs, like they're not, they're playing fine but they're kind of just playing consistently fine like drifting towards not well so I just don't think they'll be that much like jockeying you know for 
for like mm-hmm. that Laker spot for where they are. Uh, and I don't know. You never know. Like I, this is kind of the times when like, I don't know, are we going to have like a dark horse Laker kind of step up? Is it going to be Kyle Kuzma? It's going to take over. I mean, just aside, it, it could be, it could be, I don't know who it would be in my dream. I hope it's Kuzma for the content. That's Marcus bound to Saul, make it probably. interesting. Saul, yeah. Is this when Marcus all steps up and is like, you know what? I got this. Like, Honestly, yeah. maybe. He's going to be surrounded by a bunch of like cutters and stuff. It could get interesting. It could get interesting. Is this the time Lakers fans will finally see the value <laughs> in Marcus all? Hopefully. Or we will. <laughs> we will. Who doesn't have to worry about playoff contention? The Houston Rockets. Oh, boy. <laughs> in about five minutes are set to take on the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, if they lose to, the Houston Rockets will now be tied with the Dallas Mavericks, Los Angeles Clippers, and I can't remember who else for, oh, the Knicks, of course, um, for the worst, the longest losing streak in NBA history with 20. I believe the longest ever is 26, and it's a very real possibility that they break that, especially with everything happening this season. And, you know, you add the trade deadline, and they're probably, well, they're definitely going to move Oladipo. So, yeah, this, this can get... This can get ugly. <laughs> and oh, I I really feel bad for the team that will inevitably lose to the Rockets and break their streak for them because that's that would the thing. Be it could be tremendously us embarrassing. It could be the Raptors. Yeah. It could very well be. We're playing them in like what? After the next game? Like, yeah. So like we have a game tonight. If we lose this, we'll be on like an eight game losing streak. They'll be on a 20 game losing streak tomorrow. Either way, one of these losing streaks is going to be broken. Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing that's guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel great. So, Yasmin, you said the Oladipo trade. You think for sure they're going to try and move him? I think so. I think, like, you're going to get something for him, and he's definitely going to walk for nothing. So um, I, I definitely see them moving him for probably uh, maybe a low first rounder and, like, some salary filler or an expiring or maybe a couple seconds. And Because I know that um, his value isn't the best right now, but I feel like a lot of teams can envision Victor in their lineups because he's just so versatile. Um it's so, so yeah, that's that's what I see happening with him. Yeah, <laughs> the sentence can, like a lot of teams can envision Victor is very beautiful. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, I by that I mean me. <laughs> I can envision him <laughs> on the Raptors. Um, I love Oladipo. I don't know why people are getting so low on him. Like he just, it, it's been like the past few couple years. Past few years have been just so unstable for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a, a fault of his own. Like he's such a good player, and you, when you watch him, you still see that he's this great player. Um, who's just been in so many unfortunate scenarios. Um, and I, God, I, I really hope that people find, see his value because he can, he can, like, paired with the right people, I feel like Victor would really <laughs> shine and get back to that um, all-star caliber season because he's such a great defender and so versatile one to three. Um, and I feel like that's so underappreciated right now. We're always looking for guys who can switch like one to five and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, those guys are unicorns. I feel like I already know the answer to this question, but would you do Norm for Oladipo straight up? 
Oh, absolutely. Like the, okay. the thought That's of a core of uh, Fred, OG, Pascal, and Victor is so cool to me. That's that's like so switchable. Like they can all do everything. It's perfect to me. Yeah, it kind of strikes me that like he's just needed, he's needed consistency. Exactly. You know what I mean? And like, unfortunately, he went to the least, honestly, like, I don't know what the, we were talking earlier, like what does, what like plans are, long-term plans are for teams. And I don't think the Rockets have known for years you know what I mean like I don't think they had any clue like you're bringing in superstar after superstar to like compliment Harden and that never worked and then you bring in Oladipo and it's like you've got no plans for this guy you don't know how he's going to fit in your roster and then your rosters you're you're now just like trying to deal whoever you can for like what is the point of like any return there you know what I mean like what are they hoping to build so I, I feel like he got it sucks because a part of me, when when he left the Pacers, I was like, okay, this is a clean slate, some some more runway for him, like an opportunity to play, like get that consistent kind of play, and just like a, a team with a plan for him that can like utilize him in the best way. And then it, then the Rockets fell apart in a very spectacular fashion, and now he's kind of back to square one. Yeah, and Christian Wood was out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Yeah, for a long time throughout that losing streak, um, which made it like even more unstable for him. Moving on to LeVar Ball. I know uh, Kelsey has the details on this one. Yeah, Kelsey, fill us in. On on Chris Jenner of the NBA. Uh, (laughs) Is it, so this is what I'm confused about. Is it LeVar saying that Lonzo wants out of New Orleans or is it LeVar saying that LeVar wants Lonzo out of New Orleans? I heard that Lonzo, like, does not like New Orleans. Like, he does not like the city. I don't know if LeVar said that, but that that's the... A dumb take. <laughs> he doesn't like the city? Like, he, that's the only reason? He's that's like, literally the team, what, the, what the rumors were fine, saying, that he does not like New but Orleans. But I don't like living here so much. <laughs> How could you, like, of all the teams, of all the markets I would want to live in, I think New Orleans is number one. New Orleans is an amazing city. It is amazing. Um, maybe he's not... Um, maybe it doesn't have like the metropolitan, you know, scene that he's probably, you know, infatuated with, like that his dad probably sees him playing in. Mm. <laughs> um, so, you know, I would understand that, but a lot of teams apparently want Lonzo. So, and uh, I honestly, like another team that I'm not really sure, uh, like what direction they're trying to head towards is New Orleans. Like, I'm not sure what they're trying to do. I'm not sure if their pieces fit. Um, they have like just this like overabundance of talent. And I don't know, it, it, it doesn't really work. They're all too young. There's not enough veteran presence. It's kind of a mess there. It's weird to me because like, you know, concurrent to I think a lot of what, what people think of him, Stan Van is a pretty good coach for young players. You know what He's I mean? Like, yeah. Aside from like, like leveraging the Pistons entire future on Blake Griffin. And that's, I think why coaches should also like not be, uh, like in front of like in front office roles where they have the the like the power to make moves like that. Um, you know, aside from that, he that was like a super young team. He really excelled with those players. I think same the same thing is happening in New Orleans. So I mean, this is nothing. Not you know, Lonzo can do what he wants. Lavar's going to say what he's going to say. But I think I think Sandman is doing a pretty good job. But I agree with you, Yasmin. It's it's not necessarily clear kind of what they're after, but maybe that's just one, he's just giving it one year of being like, what is, What are we about? You know, what do we want to do here? 
Yeah, I think they have all of the pieces. They just need to figure out how to make them fit or how to trade them for pieces that do fit. They need kind of like a clear game plan. Mm -hmm. I also think maybe Lonzo's just afraid of the king cake baby. Yeah. (laughs) We start that. That is a terrifying... That is a terrifying... Um, All their mascots. Oh, mascots. my God. It looks like They're, a porcelain doll. Like, it's just so... It's messed up. Have you seen the pictures of him without... Of him. Of it without its diaper on? Of it? it. <laughs> it's like in... It's whoever's in the costume in the back tunnels of the arena. And they just have their, like, spindly little legs coming Oh, my out. God. Oh, this that is the stuff of nightmares. Top hat because they haven't... Put their plastic diaper on. Yet. I thought you were gonna say that it was like a Barbie doll or something. No, it's worse. It's worse. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna search it and wish I did it. <laughs> but like King Cake Baby, the original Pierre the Pelican looked like a demon. They do not have a good they do not have good luck with mascots in New Orleans. I don't know. A part of me is like maybe they want to be creepy like this, but I don't know that the players respond quite the way they want to it. You mentioned Katie that uh you know Stan Van Gundy is like an example of why coaches probably shouldn't have front office input and I kind of it makes me wonder what Nick Nurse would do if he had that power oh man like well what is a I'm gonna ask you guys what is like a move you could see Nick Nurse doing that would be like completely within his MO but also horrible for the team's future super max Pat McCaw super max <laughs> Terrence Davis he played. He, he. I. I thought you'd be uh, pleased that it looks as though Paul Watson Jr. is like a part of the lineup now. Yeah, I'm thrilled with that too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thrilled with that, but yeah, I don't think great. Nick's going to super max him. <laughs> I. It could have been Pat McCall for all I care. All I care is that Terrence Davis is out of the lineup completely. It looks like small victories. <laughs> yeah, it could have been Aaron Baines. I don't care. Bring Alex Len back, but. <laughs> um, let me think. What is a move I can think of Nick Nurse doing? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I feel like if he had it his way, he'd get rid of Norm quicker. Because I feel like team defense, not even on-ball defense, team defense is like his number one priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like Norm's only weakness. Because he's he's become a, a solid on-ball guy lately. Like the last two years, I feel like he's improved like tremendously in that side on that side. But his his off-ball defense, like he's just so late to recover sometimes. He gets the wrong rotation. Um, and you could see it kind of frustrates the guys, but then you can't really say anything because he's giving you 30 points on ridiculous efficiency at the same time. So it's it's a tough spot. Like normal gives you 30 points, he may also give up 30 points. <laughs> Yeah, there was a quote from Nurse. I think it, maybe it was from the last game or the game before, but he got asked just about like Norm's productivity and scoring. And he was just like, he almost sounded resentful of it. Yeah. Yeah, he could score. Like, that's not news to me. (laughs) He was like, yeah, he put up, he can put a 25, 30. Like, that's not news to me. And it's like, okay, man. (laughs) Like, and you people just want to celebrate it and want to like celebrate, you know, consistency for Norman Powell. But it was just like, he hates clearly he hates that's it. not what he cares about. <laughs> not at all. Like, <laughs> you look at the Raptors guys, like not only are Fred, Pascal, OG, Kyle, great on-ball guys, but when it when they're it, when they're in the zone, their recovery, their 
rotations. They're so crisp. It's like they move as a single unit. They're so intelligent on that end. And then you have like Norm who's like late to recover to the corner or something. Or he like leaves someone wide open to like double team someone under the basket, even though there's a big man there. Like it just gets kind of ugly. Um, and you could tell that it kind of shakes the confidence sometimes, especially late games. And it's tough because you need Norm's offensive punch in those late game scenarios. But then, you know, at the same time, you're kind of, you may be doomed. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the difference Kelsey. between the late game lineups of last season and the late game lineups of this season, because yeah. they feature norm and they've been crumbling in those scenarios. Kelsey, yeah, did you I say mean, someone called him out? Yeah. Do you remember, I think it was the beginning of the season when Nick Nurse called Norm out, like really publicly? It was one of his like public call outs. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I can't remember what happened, but they were, it was like way too far. Was it about consistency? I think so. Yeah. Oh, man. I think I remember that. Um, and then ever since he's been like, what, 20 points a night? <laughs> Didn't he get fined for it too? Oh, I don't know about that. Or maybe I made that up. Maybe I dreamed that. But I feel I like think I would have remembered that. that I don't know like if coaches <laughs> can get fined for being critical, but sometimes I wish they could. Yeah, and I, Nick Nurse would be broke. <laughs> <laughs> but he um, did get fined today. He did. Um, it's a weird one. That, yeah, That so it was in regards to, do you guys know the particular comment? Was it his... Um, was it his comment on officiating or was it his comment on Shams blaming them, blaming inconsistent mask wearing from coaches for their COVID spread? Like what was the. It, I, those might have been like the impetus for it, but apparently he exploded by what he screamed at an official and threw his mask behind the scorer's table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so unhinged. I sort of love it. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I'll say is like for someone who has maybe, you know, been criticized for your mask wearing tendencies, maybe don't throw it in such a, you know, aggressive manner. He's like losing it. Like he doesn't even look the same. Have you seen him? Like he doesn't wear glasses anymore. He doesn't look well. He slicks his hair back. He looks like a mob <laughs> boss. <laughs> like, he used to look like, um, who did he look like? Nurse looked like somebody. Who was it? I know who you're thinking of too, and I can't think of it. God, I don't know if it's a, it's an actor or comedian. Philip Seymour Hoffman. And not quite. There's some. It's not Elton John. <laughs> it's it? kind of Elton. I wish John. it was. Kind of like, and then this season he just kind of looks like an Irish mobster, like full aggro. Yeah. It's like it's so he's losing it. Like he's real, he needs to come back to Canada. Like His he's actually like crumbling under the. I don't know what it is, but he's just not quite the same. And it's, it's, it's funny seeing it, um, uh, seeing it leak out and like anger towards the official. Cause he's always been very angry towards officials, but this mm-hmm. season, like he just looks like he's getting out some pent up anger there. Mm-hmm. And so $50,000, right? Yeah. Yeah. 50 yeah, K. I've always wondered if like this is the thing we we are like as fans we watch we don't like the calls blah 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 but like coaches understand sometimes like the calls just happen and I guess I've always been I don't know if this is too like tough love but I've always been like you know if you know they're not coming you kind of just have to be prepared to play through them yeah yeah my stance because I know that um referees try to be impartial but you can't you honestly like it's human nature to like look at the Raptors on your roughing like schedule, refereeing schedule, and be like, oh shit. 
<laughs> you got to deal with Lowry yelling at you. You got to deal with Nick Nurse yelling at you. You got to deal with Siakam screaming every time he drives. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's true. Like, <laughs> subconsciously, you're probably just like, oh, these guys, you know what I mean? And I know they think that, you know, they're probably like, it, to them, it's probably like a game management tactic to uh, pressure the referees, but it's not working. It's not. It's backfiring, I think, in some ways. Not to say, like, alter your behavior. Like, I would never want Lowry to change his behavior. No, me neither. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, for nurse specific, I guess I'm just like, okay, if you're the coach, sometimes you just got to clamp down uh, and be like, all right, this sucks, but what what are we going to do? And let Lowry do it because you have an on-court advocate who's already, you know, like, he's someone who knows how to deal with coaches and whatnot, and he knows how to advocate for his teammates and himself. So do you really need to also, you know, do that? Like, it's think of the Warriors. Like, you have Draymond doing that for the team. Steve Kerr is, you know, cool as a cucumber yeah, on his payments. <laughs> like, yeah. he's chilling. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm all about empathy. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not going to get in people's faces. Yeah, it's because you made a good point. He has Draymond. He doesn't even have to think about it. That's the thing I was just about to say. And when Kyle does it, it's like he's telling the refs, no, this is where you screwed up. And when Nick Nurse does it, it seems like he's telling the refs, like, he's like Gordon Ramsay. He's like, you <laughs> fucking idiot sandwich. Like, <laughs> I think that there's just a method to doing it that, you know, you kill more flies with honey than with vinegar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And Nick Nurse hasn't really learned that yet. Not yet. But we should talk about the fine level um, um, just because it's a $50,000 fine and it's the same amount of money that Myers Leonard recently outed Bigot uh, was fined. Yeah, um, for anti-Semitic slurs um, Mm -hmm. on a live stream, which I think like, you know, you're fining the same amount of money for, you know, comments regarding officiating and, you know, anti-Semitic slurs that have like tangible outcomes on human lives. Yes. (laughs) Um, So it's like, what is the standard? There's no consistency there. Um, And like, it's kind of insulting that it's the same amount of money. What's the point of finding people? Like, what's the point if you're going to extend the same penalties to completely different offenses? You know, Um, I, I, I totally understand finding coaches, um, for when they do make those comments, you want to keep the referees, um, like, what's the word? Like, you want to keep them outside of uh, um, these dramas. Like, you don't want them to deal with um, accusations of being um, biased or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have them deal with that because it can cause a lot of problems moving forward. But also, like, is that it? You're going to give the same fine to somebody who um, insults, like, literally searched the banks of his mind for the worst slur <laughs> that he could find uh, against a marginalized community. And it's like, what's going on? What is going on? And the thing is, I mean, I don't know Nick Nurse's salary, but when you put, like, when you look at the salary matching of it, I feel I like- eight mil, eight mil per year on his new deal. I don't know if it goes into effect this season or next, but- And Myers Leonard somehow makes more than that, right? pretty sure to work from home. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically when you, you know, put it into like tax purposes or whatever, I don't know, I'm not a mathematician, I'm not an accountant, but when you say $50,000 to Nick Nurse right now and $50,000 to Myers Leonard right now, two totally different numbers. Yeah. 
yeah, it should be adjusted. Also, yeah. that's a good point. It should be adjusted for a player's salary. Like, are you going to fine LeBron James the same amount, you know, an end of bench guy gets fined or like, you know, it's just... I wonder if the team could like step in in that. Like, I wonder if the team will cover some. Do you know what I mean? Like, if that's not such an unreasonable thing in that sense for, for nurses, rather, right. not for Myers. <laughs> Well, considering there's like a billionaire um, behind every team, maybe that would, yeah. that would make most sense. But yeah, exactly. Like you don't want that in the Myers Leonard scenario. Oh, Imagine no. if the Miami Heat were like liable for that. Oh God, no. Like started a GoFundMe. <laughs> oh my God. No, I think like the Myers Leonard fee, it should have been a lot higher. It also should have like it. It there should have been like almost like a structure, like a payout structure of where it was going because I think it should have gone to like Jewish organizations rather. Than, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. It just that go back great. to the. I know the NBA has a lot of philanthropic endeavors and they'll probably put it towards charity theoretically, but I still would have liked to see, you know, a more like active use of the fine method, I guess, in that case, if you want to call it, you know, like crank it up and say where that money's going. And a fine is like not even enough, in my opinion, like that sort of thing, you should be suspended for the season or something like people lose their jobs. Okay. That part, that part, because he was suspended first, it was indefinitely. Which yeah. he's out indefinitely anyway with an injury. Yeah. And so, he's traded, like, right? <laughs> and then it was a week. And then it's just kidding. He's with a new team now. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's like, the yeah. thing. Yeah. Where I think it's like, you know, you, Yasmin, you make a good point. It's just like when this is, this is like a larger question. It's like, and this has to do with, I think, at BPA contracts and like bargaining and stuff like that. But like when you look at someone in their like quote regular job, losing their job for things like, that you know and sometimes less than that oh Um, yeah less than that (laughs) what it like does the NBA have to catch up in that sense you know and like kind of put this sort of I I don't know what you would call a clause like that because it would have to go in all their contracts and be agreed upon by the union but I do think there's something to be said for like this quiet this quiet way that the kind of league deals with it in like Myers Leonard's case like he gets dealt to a new team he may just be quietly waived and then we'll never really hear from him again. But there's no accountability in that sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, that's interesting. If a clause like that was introduced, there'd definitely be public pressure to implement it, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, how... I feel like there's going to be a lot of fines this season. There already has been quite a few. <laughs> the league's got to make their money back somehow, right? <laughs> For every infraction, <laughs> there's like a hall monitor or something. <laughs> like, like, you remember that meme that it's like college students are just passing around the same $20 bill for like 10 years? That's the NBA, but it's like players salaries just going back and forth. Like traffic cops at the end of the month, you know, they're like, oh, we got to make our quota. <laughs> like players are scared to do post games. Like they don't know what to say. <laughs> Reading off scripts. <laughs> then they get fined for not doing it. Uh, they already repeat the same things. It would be hilarious if it became even more contrived. (laughs) (laughs) But that is it. Any final notes from you guys? No. Raptors play today. They play the Cavaliers, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, they play the Cavs. They play the Cavaliers. Um, Hopefully they win a basketball game because I've forgotten how it felt like. Like, I don't remember what it feels like to win. (laughs) I've become so numb to the losing too. Same. Like, I literally don't care. I'm just like, just just survive this season. Just leave in one piece healthy. Either leave with a win or leave with Jared Allen. Sorry? Leave with a win or leave with Jared Allen. Either way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can get behind that. 
So thank you guys for tuning in on this episode of Dishes and Dimes. We'll check in with you guys on our next episode for next Sunday. Peace out. Peace out.